Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to season two of Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. Last year, our episodes were played over 10,000 times to help listeners like you crush the PCS exam, and they did. This year, you can expect more content and even more review to help you feel confident on test day. Let's not waste any more time. Time to study. Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram or Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics or send us an email at pushingpediatrics at gmail.com. Hey guys, we have talked a lot about how we use the MedBridge PCS prep course to develop our study plan and as an awesome supplemental resource for the PCS exam. Not only are there copious amounts of videos, but they also include practice exams, recommended readings, and other resources to add to your toolbox. To celebrate Physical Therapy Month, MedBridge is running a special on their premium subscription for just $225 if you use the code PTM pushing peds. You can also click on the link in the episode notes. These subscriptions are good for one year of content and gives you premium access, including their PCS prep content. Even if you are not studying for the PCS, you can still use this discount code for continuing education credits. Share it with your colleagues and other friends who may be studying for their other specialty exams. Hurry, this special priced PT month promotion ends on October 31st. This episode is about to be short and sweet. Continuing with the content from earlier this week, we're going to go over a case about Duchenne muscular dystrophy. This case study is number 11 in the Physical Therapy Case Files book. A 12-year-old male with Duchenne muscular dystrophy lives with his parents and sister in a split-level style home in a suburban town. He attends the local middle school and, when the weather is decent, drives home from school in his power wheelchair. He is a good student and is able to write his own class note. He has an aide to help him at school as needed. American history stirs his interest and he enjoys politics. He is a sports enthusiast. He and his parents make a great effort to allow him to participate in typical activities. He enjoys the benefit of swimming with an adapted flotation device one to two evenings per week at the local YMCA, and he is an active member of the Boy Scouts. This young male is approximately five feet, nine inches tall and weighs 190 pounds. His bedroom is on the lower floor of the house that is accessible from the garage. 
There is a small bathroom and shower on this floor, and the door frame has been widened to accommodate his wheelchair. He has a hospital bed, and the family's van is wheelchair accessible. He recently stopped ambulating following a femoral fracture and is becoming proficient in using a power wheelchair. He requires maximal assistance of one to roll, to sit up, and to perform a pivot transfer. He is able to sit at the edge of the bed with close supervision. Maximal assistance is required for dressing and toileting care. He is independent in the use of utensils during meals, but requires assistance to lift a cup with liquid. There is a hydraulic sling lift in the house, but it is usually in storage due to its size and appearance. He wears bilateral hand splints for a short time each day to prevent further contractures of his wrists, hands, and fingers. He also has bilateral fixed ankle foot orthoses, or AFOs. Impairments include decreased vital capacity with a weak cough, limitations in range of motion of extremity joints, global decreased strength, hypotonia, developing scoliosis, and pain in his lumbar spine and both hips. He is unable to shift his weight front to back and side to side while seated in his wheelchair. His multidisciplinary team consists of a pediatrician, physiatrist, orthopedic surgeon, school physical therapist, and home physical therapist. His physical therapists fabricated his orthoses, assisted in the selection of his power chair, and have provided appropriate advice for home adaptations. His frequent colds often develop into bronchitis. Significant medical history includes two femoral fractures. More recently, he fractured the left mid-femur during a transfer in a makeshift lift from his wheelchair to the above-ground pool in his backyard. Medications include calcium and a stool softener. He is not taking any glucocorticoids due to his parents' concern of further weight gain and bone density loss. His mother does not work and is able to care for his needs. When he does not drive his wheelchair at home, she picks him up from school and helps him complete his homework. This appears to be a close-knit family, but he frequently expresses concern about the burden he presents to his parents and other family members and is worried about his own longevity. The home physical therapist currently sees him twice a week for 45-minute sessions, emphasizing community and home mobility and assistive technology access. That's a long case. All right, let's go over some physical therapy considerations for the patient in this case. A general physical therapy plan of care and goals include maximizing safe participation and function at home and in the community, optimize positioning throughout the day and night to minimize contractures, and improve or maintain lower extremity strength, range of motion, and endurance. Goals that are also important include maintaining respiratory status, optimizing transfers, progress standing tolerance and ambulation with and without an assistive device, maximizing safe and functional independence, and promoting self-advocacy. Some physical therapy interventions include negotiating a wheelchair through tight spaces, over ramps, into and out of the home, van, and or bus, practicing safe and effective transfers, teach and review strengthening, range of motion, and a respiratory home exercise program, weight shifting in a wheelchair and sitting balance at the end of the bed. 
It is also important to work on self-advocacy and instructing caregivers and family members in activities such as range of motion, transfers, and proper transportation techniques. Precautions during physical therapy include pain, weakness, fatigue, assistance with transfers and weight-bearing activities, and close monitoring of the skin when wearing orthoses. No resistive or forceful range of motion should be performed to the extremities or trunk due to a high fracture risk and damage to muscles. Complications that may interfere with physical therapy include patient discomfort with orthoses and prolonged positioning, as well as patient and parent anxiety regarding injury and fracture. Let's go over some evidence-based clinical recommendations. First, the use of glucocorticoids may prolong ambulation and quality of life with individuals with DMD. Scores on the EGAN classification scale can predict the need for ventilatory support and ongoing loss of physical function in the DMD population. This classification scale assesses functional measures for this population. Last, assistive bicycle exercise of the legs and arms may delay the progressive weakness and functional loss characteristic of the DMD disease progression. All of these statements are grade B evidence according to the case files book. The Gower sign is a hallmark of DMD. This is when the child walks their hands up their legs in order to transition from the floor into standing. We talked a little bit about this in our episode this week. Pseudohypertrophy of the calf muscles may also suggest a diagnosis of DMD. Some critical interventions include preserving functional upper extremity use, monitor for worsening scoliosis, preserve respiratory function, preserve lower extremity use, stretching, accessing the environment, wheelchair mobility, and home adaptations when necessary. Stretching is recommended four to six days per week during the patient's daily routines. Prolonged stretching programs include orthoses, splinting, and standing programs should be implemented to preserve flexibility and mobility. I definitely feel with DMD, stretching is a very important concept. I don't think stretching is always like the best intervention for a lot of other things that we talk about, but definitely in the DMD population. So this episode was really short, sweet, and to the point. I think it pairs really, really well with the episode that we released earlier in the week. So make sure you're kind of listening to them together. So that way, as you listen to the episode that was really fact-based, you can take those facts and put them into this case-based study. Next week, we're going to go through a clinical summary covering Down syndrome, and then we will go over some additional cases that go along with that topic. See you next time. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next time. And remember, you totally got it.